Welcome to the Maranatha Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this class from our Equip Ministry will be a blessing to you and will grow your love for Jesus Christ. We would encourage you to use it only as a supplement to your regular intake of God's Word in your local church. If you need help connecting with a local church, please reach out to us on our website, mbcgrimes.org. So let's get into our notes. Hopefully you've got a handout, if I can uh, hold on to it here. Uh, they're more available on the welcome table in the foyer if you need. This is class number three. And just to review briefly, classes one and two, the first class we thought about what is the fear of man, okay? Anybody want to venture a casual definition of fear of man? We're not like grading you or anything like that, but how would you describe it? What is fear of man? That was back from lesson one. And you can answer even if you weren't here. Most people have some sense of what fear of man is. But anybody want to venture a definition for us? Yeah? Pleasing men in their text. Okay, pleasing men and not God. And I like that you included God in that because that's often where it really causes trouble is when it's in place of God, right? So good. All right, week two, we talked about what fear of God is and uh, kind of dove into that a little bit. That was just last week. Anybody want to give a, give a try at, you know, well, I'll say casually defining. I don't know what that means, but the point is I'm not, we're not grading you. But who wants to try to define what fear of God is? Or maybe you have your notes from last week and you can read the definition we put forward then. But. Yeah, reverence and awe for God or giving him the reverence and awe he deserves. Yeah, good. Anybody else have ideas with that? Good, yeah, that's a good summary of it. So the next three weeks, tonight, next week, and the following week, Lord willing, we plan to think through some specific ways that we fear man so kind of some different aspects of how it manifests itself. And uh, we, we kind of did this as a thought experiment a couple weeks ago where we, we kind of shouted out all the different types of fears, right? There's like fear of mice and there's fear of, you know, all these different things. And then we began to kind of collect them in groups. And so some of them had to do with, you know, me being, you know, exposed and then like rejected uh, because of how I am, you know, so there's that side of it. Some of it had to do with fear of harm. So that'd be like the mice and the rattlesnakes and the, the bears, I think somebody said. Uh, so, you know, there's different categories to fear. So we're going to take a few weeks and look at those, but specifically in the area of fear of man. And by doing that, our goal is not to just, um, you know, not be as afraid of man, uh, but the goal is actually to see how fear of God becomes the solution to that specific fear. So tonight, uh, we're thinking one of the reasons that we fear man is a fear that people will expose us, a fear that people will expose us. And so that's the title up at the top of your notes tonight, Fear of Exposure. Uh, this fear is, you know, we read it at first and you're just kind of like, oh, I don't really, that's not that big of a deal to me. You know, I have nothing to hide and I'm not really that scared of, of, uh, of being exposed. Um, but this does actually touch us a lot more than we realize. Um, so here, here's a, the name of an emotion that goes along with this fear of exposure. It's uh, shame. Maybe you experienced some degree of shame before or embarrassment, Right where you, something has happened and you've been embarrassed 
about it, right? Something that you didn't want people to see or know about all of a sudden was out there, and so you feel this sense of embarrassment. You know, the face turns flush and all of that. Well, I think in those terms then, we realize, oh, we've all experienced that. So to some degree, this idea of not, not wanting uh, to, be, to be known, everything about me to be revealed, I think we, we can, in the end, relate to that. Uh, one common fear in this category is uh, fear of personal failure, right? And so this is where the other side of that is this kind of a, a perfectionistic way of living where everything has to be just right and nobody can see my faults, nobody can see uh, the, the struggles that I have. Um, another f- pressure that comes with this is the expectations of other people. Uh, fear that I will disappoint Fear that I will be rejected because of what I have done. Uh, this uh, is part of our lives all the way back to, you could maybe think of playing on the playground in elementary school or in your neighborhood with the neighbor kids or, you know, even in our young years, uh, this fear of exposure is at play. There, it comes in the form of, uh, you know, whatever term you want to use, insults, put-downs, you know, Actually, when we put somebody else down to make ourselves feel better, this is actually the same fear of exposure, right? I don't want people to see how bad I am. So if I point somebody else's fault out, two really great things happen at the same time. Number one, attention is diverted off of me to them. And number two, I'm now comparing myself to them and I can feel a little bit better about myself, right? Um, so in, on playground terms, maybe I'm not very fast, right? And so I'm embarrassed about that, but he's slower, right? Oh, look at the slow poke, right? So I begin to feel better about my slowness by pointing to the guy who's slower, right? So this is the same thing, fear of exposure. And one of the ways we uh, try to fight that in the flesh is by putting others down. So again, you can see how even back in our younger years, hopefully you never put anybody down. I'm sure you didn't, right? But even in our younger years, this kind of thing is a temptation. We don't want to be exposed uh, for not being perfect or not being as good as everybody thinks we are. Uh, This can come up when we are, let's say, making something right with somebody. So maybe we've sinned against somebody and we need to tell them, you know what, what I said was wrong or I sinned against you. Uh, This is that feeling you get, you know, right before sharing it with them when it's like, wow, maybe... Maybe I don't really need to tell them all of that, you know. And even as it's coming out, there's this temptation to hold it back a little bit and, and say, you know, I, I, guess I, I guess I probably shouldn't have done that um, rather than saying, yeah, that was sin. I sinned against you, right? So we, there's this tendency to want to hold back a little bit and paint the picture a little better than it actually is. That's the same thing. That's fear of exposure. We want to keep it kind of covered up and hidden a little bit. Um, rather than just getting, getting the truth out there. Uh, so ho- hopefully that helps you sense where we're headed with this and some of the categories of life that this fear of exposure tends to touch. I'm just curious, before I give any other examples, what other examples can you think of? Uh, areas where we seek to kind of cover ourselves Sometimes even maybe exposing others so that we can stay hidden or at least look better than somebody else. Um, excuses about our actions. Uh, what, I don't know. What, can you think of other examples where this fear of exposure comes up in our lives? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes. Yes, shyness, right. Yes, the fear of sharing because, oh, what's gonna, how are they going to react? What's going to happen? What, yeah, mm-hmm. good. What else? Ooh, yeah, yeah. So if you couldn't hear, Michael shared the, when he's instructing his son and gets the, well, yeah, dad, but you do that back at him, you know? And so, uh, ooh, yeah, <laughs> I guess you're right. What's the, what's the phrase? Do as I say, not as I do. Is that, yeah. Other categories, examples. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, blame shifting is a great, is a, uh, well, a poor example, but a spot-on example of, of this very thing. Ooh, I don't, I don't want to be in the hot seat here. I don't want to have the attention on me for what I did, so, but see, look what they did, right? And actually, uh, we'll, we'll look at this in a little bit, but um, it's kind of what Adam did in the garden, right? God comes to Adam, like, you know, what happened here? Well, the woman you gave me, right? So it's the same thing. It's fear of exposure. Adam didn't want to address and confront what really was going on in his heart, so we, we point the finger. Good, good example. So uh, let's dig into this a little bit tonight. We're going to begin by asking two questions. First, why? Why do we fear being exposed? And here's where we uh, review Genesis a little bit here. And so if you want to open and track along, we'll be in Genesis chapter 2. As we think about why do we fear being exposed? Uh, and as we go there, would somebody be willing to read aloud Genesis 2.25 and then somebody else Genesis 3.7? Okay, Dave, would you do 2.25? Somebody for 3.7. Genesis 3.7. Jim, thank you. All right, go ahead when you're ready. Okay, thank you. And then 3-7. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed big leaves together and made themselves All right. So these two verses point out a key change. What happens in the biblical account between Genesis 2-25 and Genesis 3-7 to cause that change? Sin, yeah, we sometimes refer to it as the fall, any number of terms for it, but yeah, it's sin. Sin enters the world. And this brings a shift, right? Now they, are, they have sinned, and so now they experience shame. They're embarrassed, okay? Uh, all of a sudden, instead of their thoughts being outward about others, about God, about relationship with Him, about the thankfulness for what He's given. Their thoughts have turned inward. What about me? What does she think of me? I'm embarrassed that I'm standing here like this. You know, so on and so forth. And so selfishness begins, right? 
And right along with that sin and selfishness comes shame. They're, they're, they want to hide, and so they make this clothing for themselves. They weren't instructed to do that, right? This is just uh, their embarrassment, their sin playing out. They are ashamed. So because we have sinned, sin leads to shame. Why do we fear being exposed? Well, at its root, it's related to our sin, our selfishness. Uh, when we chose not to live under God's rule, but instead to submit to Satan and self, uh, when we chose selfishness, we chose shame and embarrassment, right? Those things are not from God. Uh, that's because the result of our sin, the result of our sin. Now, we could, look at, we could talk about that kind of another way, and it is true. Sin is something to be ashamed of, right? Um, and so it's right. It would have been right for Adam and Eve to be ashamed that they had disobeyed God. That's, that's worth being ashamed of, right? So there is a place for shame in regards to sin, but sin always leads to shame, So that's where it began, and this has put a wedge between God and men. Uh, Now there is a consequence for sin, and every time we sin, every time we choose self, we we commit an act that is fundamentally shameful, right? Our selfishness is always shameful. We're not always ashamed of it. (laughs) We should be, right? Other times we feel shame about things uh, that we don't need to feel shamed about. So, you know, it's all become backwards because of sin. So it begins there with Adam and Eve. I like the way Ed Welch puts it. This is again from his book. We've referenced it a number of times when, when people are big and God is small. He says this on page 33. With fear of man, every day is Halloween. Putting on our masks is a regular part of our morning ritual, just like brushing our teeth and eating breakfast. Underneath the masks are people who are terrified that there will be an unveiling. And indeed, the masks and other coverings will one day be removed. If we feel exposed by people, we will feel devastated by God. One way to avoid God's eyes is to live as if fear of other people is our deepest problem. They are big, not God. And so, as we begin to think about this, we realize it is a temptation for all of us to live this way, to live with some sort of public persona that allows us to hide uh, what we're ashamed of, what we're ashamed of, and it's rooted in, in our sin. Number two, why do we fear being exposed? Because of the sins of others against us. And... Here we're thinking about things that others have done that have embarrassed us. And sadly, this is a part of our, um, of our fallen state, right? Not all of the sin and suffering that we experience is directly something I did. Uh, I can also have people do things to me. And so in this category, we're, we're thinking about uh, physical harm, uh, you know, we could even go back to the playground I mentioned at the beginning of our lesson when you're the one being pointed at and said, oh, look how slow he is, right? So the, the, the verbal harm of others can lead to this experience of 
oh, I'm so ashamed that I'm so slow, I'm embarrassed, and then this desire to put up this front uh, to, to not be exposed. So it's interesting. It is our sin, yes, but is also influenced by and affected by the sins of others as well. And, you know, we think of the playground example when we were young as an example, but this gets larger and more serious through life. I mean, you could talk about instances of abuse and uh, rape, uh, you know, the whole gamut of just horrible uh, sins where, where one human being uh, demeans, disrespects, embarrasses, puts down, harms another human being. And that can lead to uh, a, lot of, a lot of shame as well. Both of them are connected to inter- uh, the, the, the horizontal, human relationships on this level. And so the reason that's important to recognize um, is that there's, there's good news. There's a vertical solution to both kinds, right? The, the, the shame, the fear of exposure that comes from my own sin, but also the shame, the fear of exposure that comes from other people's sin against me. Uh, there's a God who heals both of them, right? Which is super encouraging. Uh, so I think, yeah, it, it's helpful to remember the why behind it and sin either from ourselves or from others is at the root. So, How does this play out into our lives? Let's think about that a little bit. How do we demonstrate fear of being exposed? There's a few categories here, and I'll give you an opportunity to maybe share some examples. But the first that we'll mention is we hide and cover. So we saw this in in Genesis, right? Uh, Before the fall, they were unashamed. After the fall, they're ashamed, and they make coverings, coverings for themselves. They hide and cover. God comes to the garden to talk and walk with Adam, as he's done so many times. But this time he has to say, not not that God doesn't know, but he's like, Adam, where are you? Right? Why? Because Adam is hiding. He's hiding. So we hide and cover. We try to get away from reality. We try to get away from accountability. Uh, This type of fear of exposure leads to withdrawal, first from God, but also then from other people around us. Uh, We protect ourselves by, by, you know, backing away from people. Um, And so that's one way that we respond or or we reveal ultimately this this fear of man. Uh, Another way to do this is we create a covering for ourselves. Um, So... You know, in, in adult terms, we could think of like a, a job resume or a profile on uh, Facebook or Instagram or some other social, LinkedIn, you know, whatever social media platform you want to use. And so you're putting together this profile and, you know, putting yourself out there as a, as a working adult and, you know, relationship with people and the temptation that's there to portray yourself a certain way, Right. Now, some of that's not wrong. You know, you don't have to put your worst photo up there. It's okay to pick your best photo. You know, there's some of that that's there. But, but think about it. You know, this, we do think in those terms, you know, it's, that's not the place I'm going to post. Well, let me tell you all my weaknesses. You know, I, so there's a temptation. It's always there to create a covering, kind of like the Halloween mask that Ed Welch was referencing, where, well, this is, this is the me I'm going to show to people. This is what I want them to see. This is what I want them to think I look like. And it's really interesting if you tracked with social media trends, 
this is uh, a thing, a phenomenon, that's the word, that's growing in our culture uh, where people have an online persona that's, you know, not just a little bit different than the real them, but just like very different from the real them. And uh, kind of this living in this false, you know, reality, this uh, metaverse, as it were. So we like to do this. We hide and cover, uh, either running away or creating a mask of sorts um, that people can look at. That looks better than, than my view of myself. Number two, we escape to idols rather than running to God. So as the pressure mounts, ah, what do they think of me? What if they see this, right? We, we run to escapes. And it's interesting you know, we think of an escape as an exit, right? So I'm embarrassed. I'm speaking to you also. I'm just out the door. That's a kind of escape. That's a literal escape. But escapes in this category are pretty widespread. Um, they could be anything that might just distract me from the pressure of wondering what people are thinking of me. And I call them idols because when we run to an escape... What we're doing is we're looking to that escape for salvation, for help in the midst of this fear of man pressure. Uh, and that is a form of worship, right? I'm looking to this man-made object. In this case, we'll, we'll call it the exit door. Okay, there's my salvation. I'm out of here. Now, it may be that God wants me to leave the room, depending on what's happening, right? Um, but we start with him. That's, that's, that's the first step. We worship him. Okay, Lord, I need your help. Up, oh, you've given me wisdom. Out the door, I need to go. You know, so, um, but when we just run to these escapes first and see them as our salvation, depend on them, demand them, uh, it's idolatry. So here's some examples. Um, for me, this is a this is an interesting one, but I'll just put it out there. Uh, I find myself snacking a lot more after a stressful day, right? I don't even feel hungry, uh, but I just find myself standing in front of the open pantry, you know, just kind of looking at all the snacks and thinking through which one am I going to, you know, and I'm just taking handfuls of things, you know, and Carrie's like, what are you doing? I don't really know. (laughs) I guess I'm feeling a little stressed, right? It's an escape, I don't like the way I feel. I want something that's going to just make me feel a little better right away. Okay, uh, this is what we do. This is that's 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 an escape, right? Now it may not always be fear of man in that case, but that's an example of what this looks like. Uh, so we can do this with all sorts of things. We can make an idol of work. Uh, so, you know, we don't like what's happening in this category of life, and so we pour ourselves into the workplace, building our reputation, you know, making everything go really well there. Um, actually, a really common one is video games. Uh, you may not think of that initially when thinking about this, but it's a really common place people escape to. They create a persona. Uh, it's especially tempting if they're really good at the video game, and so they're kind of like top dog in this you know, made-up world, whatever the made-up world might be. And so more and more, rather than living out here in reality where it's scary and embarrassing and what do people think of me, they live in the video game, and more and more time is spent there and, and their uh, dwelling place sort of begins to shift from real life to video game life. Uh, so that's a common one. 
of course, uh, substance abuse, so drugs, alcohol, uh, those are very, very common escapes when it comes to um, uh, running from fear of man as opposed to running to God. Uh, pornography, sexual fantasy, lust, uh, romance novels, movies, all sort of fitting in the same category there, but that seeking some kind of lust or sexual pleasure um, actually as an escape uh, from fear of man. Again, we don't often connect those two things, but it's an escape from a reality that I don't like. I don't like the way this feels. I don't like the way what people think of me. I don't like whatever it is. It feels good over here, so I'm going to run to this over and over and over again. And so even those can be a temptation. Uh, Eating disorders is another one. I I won't list everything, but but yeah, this is what we do. We escape to idols rather than running to God. Uh, When something in our lives gets uncomfortable, we don't like um, how people are treating us. What happens, there's um, what I would call... Uh, the, um, oh man, the law of diminishing returns. There it is, came up with it. So it's a, it's a downward spiral. So just think about how this works, right? So you're feeling fear of man. You're ashamed because of what people think of you. And so uh, let's pick one of the things we uh, mentioned. I'll, I'll just pick video games because uh, I spent some time on that, right? So I'm ashamed of what people think of me. I feel better when I play video games. I'm actually good at that. I'm respected by the other players online. So I'm going to go play my video game. So I go and I play four hours of my video game, and it feels really good while I'm playing, and uh, I dominate. Okay, I feel a little better about things. I step back into real life. Oh, I just wasted four hours. (laughs) I missed. I I was late for work. Uh, Now my boss thinks I just waste my life at video games, right? So what happens is reality gets more and more disappointing. I feel more and more shame because of the escape that I keep running to, right? And so this is the law of diminishing returns. When we run to idols, they don't satisfy. And when we come back to real life and come back to reality, the shame is even greater than it was before. It can't solve it. It can't fix it, Okay. Um, and so that's one of the great problems when, when, we run to, um, when we run to idols. I am just dropping everything here. <laughs> All right, set that down, put the battery back in here. I'm about to run out the door, I think, is what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does anybody have any snacks? I'm feeling hungry all of a sudden. Oh, man. Okay, number three. We seek to uncover and expose others. Uh, so again, we talked a little bit about this one, but that's where I, point, I begin to point the finger at others. And so stop looking at me. Did you see what they did? Right? I've only done it once. He started it. Right? So we, you know, you're familiar with that. I don't need to spend a ton of time on this one. Um, but I, I do want one more comment I'll make on this one. There is just a huge, huge, huge temptation, even for Christians, to live our Christian life based on comparison. And uh, in, in any and every category, we're just constantly comparing uh, God's goodness, right? Well, it seems like God's been a whole lot gooder to that person than he has to, to me, right? Or, uh, you know, at, at trials that we face, well, why am I getting this and nobody else, right? We compare each other. Successes, failures, 
um, Christian disciplines, right? We, we often find, you know, this kind of pat ourselves on the back sort of comfort in, well, at least I'm a little further along than they are, right? I didn't sin as bad as they did. Um, and so, we, you know, as Christians, we, we often don't throw around insults, uh, but this uh, uncovering and exposing others or this kind of comparison is actually really common. And it's the same thing, it's just not as spoken, <laughs> but we're doing it in our heads um, and trying to find comfort in, you know, just being a little bit better than somebody else. So I can, okay, I can breathe deeply, at least I'm not that bad. Um, but that's not the solution. That's not the solution. And by thinking that way, I, I actually jump on the diminishing return spiral here um, because then later I feel conviction, you know, I shouldn't have thought that about them. Oh, now I'm even more ashamed about myself. I got to find somebody else that's worse than me. Um, so anyway, uncovering and exposing others. All right, so a few categories. I'm going to move through this section fairly quickly here. Um, I don't even have anything on the PowerPoint for it, but in your notes you have that question, where do these tendencies manifest themselves? So one is with God, and this is, of course, the most important one. So if I'm experiencing this kind of fear of man, it means that I don't care as much what God thinks. It's, not, it's no longer important to me how he sees me. Uh, and so some, you know, there, there, there may be a degree of prayerlessness. I'm not spending time with him uh, because I care more about what people think than about what he thinks. I've begun running to things that I know are not pleasing to him in order to try to feel better uh, about myself. And so this happens a lot in our relationship with God. This is, tends to be the first place that it starts. Next, in private, um, there are often things that we're doing that no one else knows about, and we'd be embarrassed for somebody else to know about it. Sometimes it's not even something we'd consider as serious. It's just something we don't want anybody to know. Uh, it's the fact that maybe your, your room is a mess. Uh, right now my office is a mess. And, and, and saying that to you, I really want to say to you that I usually have it really clean. Right? But what is that? That's just me wanting to you know, decorate my mask for you. No, it's, just, it's just a mess right now. I don't have to qualify that. Right? So we, we often fear even little things like that. Like, oh, now what do they think of me? You know? um, so the things that we try to keep private are often places where this is manifested. Um, at home, in our relationships, what we share, what we don't share, the things we're tempted to soften or twist the truth a little bit or say it a little bit differently. Um, we want these people that are close to us to, to respect us. We don't want to disappoint them. Are there sins that are easy to confess to God but not to another person? Right? So if, if that's true, that's fear of man. Right? Uh, at work. Nope, I keep forwarding the slides, and I already told you there's no slides for this one. So, uh, At work, hiding something from coworkers or our boss. 
right? They're, they're on some topic of conversation. You're like, you know what? I think I'm going to step away from this conversation because I don't want them to ask me about that, <laughs> right? I'd have, I'd either have to lie about it or say something, that, you know, so we hide. Uh, at church is another one. And again, we talked a little bit about that. Um, here's another quote from Ed Welch. More often, uh, I overhear people who talk as if the church were their enemy. Sometimes these people have been hurt by people in the church. They make a decision not to be hurt again. They generalize from the specific case to the entire church. If one person hurt me, then the church hurt me. At other times, we act as if the church is an enemy because of our own sense of shame. In other words, since we see the things in our lives that shame us, we assume that others see them too. Usually, however, we treat the church as the enemy because we have not been taught by the scriptures. So again, he's referencing how um, we excuse withdrawing from church because we're so afraid of what people think of us. Um, We are afraid of being exposed. Any other examples? Anybody uh, want to uh, share where in their own life maybe this fear of exposure comes up? I move through that section quickly, but bottom line is it comes up a lot of places. Yeah. I think people end up retreating into things that they're good at. Yeah. 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 Or at home, you do the same thing with rather than dealing with a hard situation with your kids or spouse or something like that, you'll make dinner or yeah. in the kitchen. Or yeah. Like yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, well, I can be successful at this, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great, great insight. Yeah, really? Yeah. Sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great example. Great example. That's very true. Age. Right? So, well, all sorts of things related to that. So fear of how I'll be treated depending on how old I am or my age and then even the way times have changed and so watching you know Andy Griffith to kind of reminisce about the way things used to be and um, yeah mm-hmm. good Yeah, are there things that are easy to confess to God, but not to other people? So that's a question that can help reveal fear of man. Because if you pause to think about that, why would it be easy for me to confess it to God, but hard for me to confess it to people? Well, it means that I care more about what the people think than what God thinks, right? And so... Sure, sure, yeah. I don't know how they'll respond, that kind of thing. Like, they could be angry with me. Is that what you mean? No, I just mean probably more to the advantage of the church. God is 
Sure, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. God's character, his trust, his mercy, his grace, his love, those things do make it, make it easier to confess to him. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not a rule. It's not like every time that it's difficult to confess something to somebody, but it was easy to confess it to God. It means that you're fearing man. It's just a good perceptive question to ask yourself. Like, hmm, why was it easy for me to confess it to God, but I really struggled to confess it to that person? Is there fear of man in my heart? It's a good question to ask and consider at least. But you're right, discernment is needed there. Yeah. Right. Like, it's more important that I don't reveal that sin to somebody else. Yeah. Sure. Right. And so you're putting that person higher because you right. don't want them to look down upon you for, for disappointing them or whatever. Right. But you're willing to, to right. pass it to God because he's, he's way out there. Right. Right. Good. Good. Very perceptive. All right. Good. Um, I'm actually going to uh, skip the shame and fear of exposure in our world today. There's a a short section here, um, but I've already touched on it briefly. It's kind of just thinking along the lines of how how common this is. And I mentioned social media, so that's kind of where we could get into it. Um, There's other categories as well, but how common it is to create a persona and even, you know, little white lies have sort of become accepted in this category uh, to build your resume or to build, you know, as long as the, you know, the goal is good, you just twist a few things here and there, take a few years off your age, you know, all that. Um, it's just very, very common in our world today. And that's all related to fear of man and specifically to uh, fear of exposure. Uh, the more we build digital images of ourselves, the easier it is to hide reality behind those digital images. Uh, okay, next thought experiment here. Can you think of examples of shame and or fear of exposure in Scripture? So we already did the easy one, Adam and Eve, so that one's done. Uh, but can you think of other biblical examples of Shame and or fear of exposure through scripture. Yeah, Andrea. David. Okay, David. Yeah. Uh, when he killed, basically killed Uriah. Uh-huh. Yep. Good. Good. Fear of exposure. Yeah. Moses. Moses. Okay, what example are you thinking of? Yeah, he thieved and he escaped. That's right. Yep, he killed the uh, Egyptian and then ran. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Yes. Cain and Abel. Uh-huh. Yep. Cain and Abel. Good. Another... Murder example, yes. Abraham, yeah, what example are you thinking of? Mm-hmm. Yes, right. He was very afraid of what they would think, what they would do, and so he lied, yeah. Peter, Peter yes. You thinking of the denial of Christ? Mm-hmm. What else? Any others? Yeah, he's worried about what the, the Jews think, uh, and so Paul confronts him there. Good, excellent.
Excellent. Good. Well, you hit on a lot of them there. Uh, Job um, went through that a little bit uh, with his friends, what they thought of him. Uh, he kind of overcame it, though, and continued to trust the Lord through that, but faced it. Um, Proverbs 17.5 is kind of an interesting example in Scripture. A foolish son brings grief to his father and bitterness to the one who bore him. And so there's a sense of shame and exposure that accompanies our foolishness. Um, And then uh, I love the example of Christ, who a couple of passages that talk about him, he actually bore our shame for us when he died for our sins. Uh, It's one of the things he took for us. So here are, you have in your notes, I wanted you to have these, uh, a little four, four bullet points of, uh, I don't know, maybe questions that could help reveal your own heart a little bit. So I won't make you answer these out loud, lest you fear being exposed here tonight. Um, but, but boy, these are convicting questions. This first one, um, is your private life different from your public life? Uh, that one, that was, that's one of, you could just probably, you could just have that one there, but, uh, what if, what if, uh, somebody in this room, you know, heard all the things you said in your home, right? Or what if, right? I mean, you just go on and on with these questions, but are we different people when we show up to church or when we're at the grocery store or when you're in the, in the car with nobody else with you in the car or, um, right? Do we, do we act differently? What that reveals is that being in the presence of people changes the way I act. Now, there's some of that that's natural, but what that means is that I really care what they think, and so I'm going to shape up, right? But when nobody's around, I can do what I want. The deeper issue that that reveals is not the presence or absence of people, but it reveals my thoughtlessness toward the one who's always there, right? Because he's with me when I'm alone in the car. He's with me when I'm at home. He's with me in all the places. And so it, it actually reveals that not only am I respecting what people think and so therefore changing my actions, but that I'm really not respecting what God thinks. Um, so that one's super convicting to me. There are three other questions there. I won't, again, I won't make you answer those tonight, but Uh, good thought questions to dig into in your own life. So the question is, what is the solution? What is the solution? So we go back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Was the solution just, oh, they just should have made the coverings. And then, uh, you know, we just, nope, that's not the solution. (laughs) The solution is not to just put everything out there, right? So, um, you know, like this this Halloween mask that he's describing is the point. Okay, so from here forward, I am going to tell everything to everybody. No, that's not the solution to fear of exposure, okay? Uh, yeah, that would, just, that would just be really bad. So don't do that. The solution is God, a right fear of God, a right relationship with God. And when that vertical relationship was right, it, it realigns our horizontal relationships. And now, with His help, I'm able to discern in every situation what would be pleasing to my Father, and now I can take right steps of action. So I, there's no pendulum swing. It's not like hide everything or spill my guts all over everybody. And, you know, they're just like, oh, I wish I didn't know that. 
But I can actually have discernment with the Lord. Okay, Lord, I sin against this person. Boy, how do I share this with them? And help me to understand what, what do I, what's good to say, what's helpful to say, what's loving to say, what's better to keep back. I want to be honest and forthright. I don't want to be shaped at all by what they think of me. I just want to please you. So that, I, that desire to please the Father becomes just the, the, the guide for us in, in every situation. And it's the solution. It's the solution to fear of man. Uh, so let's think about how we develop that sort of desire to please the Lord. It starts with the gaze of God. The gaze of God. And we have to begin here in understanding that God sees everything. So there's no Halloween mask. You know, whatever persona I think I've built with people, it doesn't exist with God. He sees it all. We won't go to Psalm 139. Uh, You're probably familiar with it, but it's it's this beautiful psalm about how God knows us intimately. He knows everything about us. He knows my thoughts from afar off, is what it says, among other things. So he knows everything about me. He knows everything about me. Let's do go to Hebrews chapter 4. Because this just has a fun gospel transition in it. So begin in verse 11. Therefore, let us... Got it backwards. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And we know that verse, but listen to this verse. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, if there wasn't a 14 through 16, verse 13 would be a really scary verse. If it just stopped there, did you hear verse 13? Let me just read it again. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Not only does he see everything, everything, but we have to give account to him. So fear of God has to begin there has to begin with the gaze of God that whether I'm in the car alone or whether I'm in front of a crowd of 200 people, God sees it all. And even in front of 200 people, when I've got this really great Halloween mask up that everybody is deceived by, God sees my heart. He sees it all. And it's just laid open before him. Now, thankfully, it doesn't just stop at verse 13 because there's some really good news to come. But it has to start with that that bad news that God sees it all and he's, he's the one to whom I give account. I'm in trouble is the end of that story. I'm in big trouble. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest 
who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So after verse 13, you would think verse 14 would be something like, so run, <laughs> like you're in big trouble, <laughs> like get out of there. But 14 through 16 actually say, nope, it's going to be okay. God sent a high priest to take your place and to give you access. And, and we're actually told the opposite of run. We're told come in verse 16. We'll come to the throne of grace because there's help in your time of need. This is why it's such an insult. It's so sinful when we run to idols as our escape. Because God gave his son, knowing our faults, God gave his son so we could run to him. Right? So it starts with the gaze of God, but it's, it's encouraged then by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there's, there's a God who knows my sin, sent his son to pay for those sins, in full, so they're, they're, they're done. He rises from the grave, so he gives me life, so that now in my life, I can run to him in my time of need, my, but the times that I need help. This gospel truth is so, so encouraging. And as we struggle, we're encouraged to look to this high priest who was tempted in the, in the ways that we are, even as believers when we fall into sin. Jesus knows that temptation is strong. He sympathizes with our weaknesses, not saying it's okay, but saying, come to me. Come to me. I've paid for it. And the Father's ready to help you. And I've given you permanent access because I've paid for your sins, right? It's just so encouraging. Why go anywhere else when we're afraid of exposure than to the one who has seen it all and still tells us to come. He still tells us to come. He knows it all. He even knows what I haven't done yet. <laughs> he knows that stuff. I don't even know that, so I still think I'm pretty good. God knows the truth. He knows the truth. And he still tells me to come. He still sent his son for me. So, the gospel reorients our thinking and reminds us there's a God who sees and knows everything about me and he loves me and he wants me to keep coming to him. Uh, it also teaches us to live for something different. We're going to close with this passage. Go over to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, uh, we're going to look at verses um, 39 through 47. One, a fear of exposure uh, example that we did not bring up tonight is the Pharisees. Uh, it is written all over the lives of the Pharisees. Why do you think they worked so hard at public righteousness? Fear the exposure of their sin, right? This is what Jesus is addressing here. Verse 39. 
You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me. Sound familiar to Hebrews chapter 4? You're not willing to come to me that you may have life. Jesus says, verse 41, I do not receive honor from men. Now let me pause there. We read that at first. and like, well, wait a second. I thought, I thought we did worship Jesus. Right? Doesn't he receive honor from men? Well, what he's talking about is he's, he's not seeking honor from men. That's not what matters to him. Uh, think of honor like a transaction, right? Where as if, as if Jesus needed us to pay him honor for him to have value and worth. That's not where he finds his worth and value. He doesn't need us to honor him. So he doesn't seek honor from men. It has become clear as we go on. Verse 42. But I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. But if another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? So Jesus teaches us a different way to live. Do you notice what he pointed out about the Pharisees? You're spending all your time seeking honor from one another. Somebody comes in his own name trying to build a reputation and you'll listen and you'll, you'll see, oh, I wonder, does he, does he know more about the scriptures than me, right? And maybe he gains a following for a while. So they're all about the human honor transaction. That's fear of man. Jesus says, your problem is you do not seek the honor that only comes from the Father. They instead should not be living to please men. They instead should be living to please the Father. This was the rhythm of Jesus' life. Uh, you remember, as a church, we went through the Gospel of John. You remember how many times it came up? I only do those things that please Him, Jesus would say, over and over again. This is what the Christian life is to be, to please the Father. That's the honor that we seek. But it's different. Because actually, He's already honored us. Right? And so now he honored us by calling us his children, by giving us life and his son and forgiveness, right? He's he's honored us in these ways. So now we, in return, in gratitude, we seek to live for his pleasure and his joy. And as uh, the apostles remind us, we look forward to the day when there will be joy and celebration and rejoicing. And we we lay uh, the, the earned rewards down at his feet again for his glory, right? So this is the honor transaction that we're concerned about. And that one is settled because he knows everything about me and he still chose to love me. And he honored me by giving his son so that I could be called his son. And so from there, it's like, who cares? about these human honor transactions. I've got this. I just want to please him, the father who made me his son, right? So Jesus calling the Pharisees to live an entirely different way. And that's the solution to fear of man. To just have eyes to heaven, to the father who loved us, knowing everything about us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the gospel becomes the solution. And then we are helped by living this out in the life of the church, the family of God. 
The church is the body of Christ, and so it becomes a place where we can, with discernment, grow in accountability, transparency, vulnerability. We don't have to hide from one another. Because we're seeking to please the Father, it also means we don't have to tell everything to one another, right? Um, but it's a, it's a rich place of love and accountability where it, it doesn't have to be a big deal, to be transparent with somebody and say, hey, it's been a rough week. Would you pray with me? And, uh, you know, I just want to please the Father and I need some help and support in that. Um, the church, God has given us as, as a means of help. So you have the conclusion there in your notes, just as kind of a takeaway, something for you to think about. You want to study this further. Romans chapter 8 is a rich, rich chapter on how our Our position in Christ settles our fear of man. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Then you get into 31 through 34. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, right? So if he's declared me righteous, who cares if anybody brings a charge against me? The one to whom I have to give account has already made his declaration. So, and And it goes on and Talks about some other things there too. It's a super encouraging passage. But okay, uh, gone over a little bit. Uh, I will briefly close in prayer, and then we'll get into our prayer groups and close the night that way. Father, we thank you uh, for the truth of the gospel. That um, it's I am utterly exposed um, before you. You see it all, and you love me. And I thank you for that. I marvel at that. I don't get it. And I pray that 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 love um, would just settle our hearts tonight. Maybe there's even someone here in the room tonight who is not confident of your perspective of them. I pray that even tonight they would settle that with you, that they would trust in the finished work of Christ, the one who paid for every failing, who rose from the grave and offers forgiveness, cleansing, and righteousness. Because of Jesus, we can be at peace with you. So we thank you for that love. And I pray that as we go from here, our hearts would just be settled, that it would not matter what people think. And from here, we would give ourselves to living for you, to honor you. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit our website, mbcgrimes.org. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and to God be the glory.